there, there's a, a video, I think it's three minutes and 20 seconds, and uh, I'm not going to try to explain it, just uh, I'll, I'll only say this, more and more and more and more we're going to hear this, and uh, more and more of, of theology doesn't matter, doctrine doesn't matter, all that matters is just love Jesus, just love Jesus. Just, and so for the next three minutes, just hear a good argument against that, okay, uh, and maybe it'll help. Give it a try. I remember reading a book a number of years ago where the author was very insistent that all we need is Jesus, and Jesus is enough, and we don't need anything but Jesus. We don't need these fancy formulas about Jesus. We don't need all of the church's theological musings. We just need Jesus. And that sort of argument on the face of it can sound really spiritual. I mean, who wants to, to disagree what Christian wants to say? No, we, we, we don't need Jesus. Of course we need Jesus. Of course Jesus is enough. Of course Jesus is sufficient. But when you, when you press on that a little bit, it, it hardly makes sense because when we say Jesus is enough or all we need is Jesus, we have to ask the next one, well, what is it about Jesus that makes him all that we need? Or if Christianity is all about Jesus, what is it about Jesus that we want to be all about? As soon as you start to say something about Jesus, if you say, well, it's because of what he did on the cross or because of the resurrection or because of how much he loves us or because of his teaching. Once you begin to answer the question, you've gone into the realm of theology. So folks who think, I want Jesus, not theology, they don't have either because you, you can't have Jesus and have him mean something to you unless you know some propositions about him. If uh, I tell you how much I love my wife and how amazing my wife is, and then you say, well, tell me um, how tall is she? And I say, eh, I don't really know. Well, tell me what color are her eyes. I say, I'm not really into those sort of things about her. Well, not, not only would, would you question how much I really love her, you, you would wonder if I could pick her out in a crowd. I, I don't seem to know anything about her. I don't seem to know any propositions, any facts. I you know, am I just speaking in vague generalities? And the same is true with Jesus. We can speak in these spiritual platitudes of how much we love Jesus, but we need theology if we're going to explain who he is, the God-man, what he accomplished on the cross in his death and resurrection, and what it means for him to be reigning at the Father's right hand, to be the second person of the Trinity, to come back again to judge the living and the dead, to send his Holy Spirit to be the very presence with us in the world. All of these things get into the realm of theology. So there is no Jesus without some theological parameters and some robust filling out and filling up of what we mean about Jesus. And, and, and he himself taught this, unless you know that I am he, unless you confess that I've come from the Father, all of these great declarations, the I am statements in the book of John, Jesus would not have had patience for people who said, I just want Jesus, you, and I, I'm not interested in learning about you, in understanding what sort of Messiah you are. No, if we're going to have Jesus, we need to have theology. You understand? Right? Makes good sense. See, it sounds great. It sounds great. All I need is Jesus. That's all, that's all that matters. Yeah, but like you said, when you press on that, when you press on that, uh, to know, you know, to know. To I'm know trying to keep this to. Uh, have the right Jesus. There he is again. That's Go away, Kevin. <laughs> so anyway, I want you to see that. Um, 
Okay, tonight, let's say that someone tells you what they believe about Jesus and what they believe about the teachings of Christianity, and they also want to tell you what they don't believe. You know, I believe this, I believe this and this, but here's the things I don't believe. And then they ask, in light of the fact that I don't believe these things, for example, uh, I don't believe in the virgin birth. Uh, I, I don't believe. I don't believe in the miracles and uh, that Jesus did. I don't believe in those, and I don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, I, I really like his teaching, uh, especially like Sermon on the Mount. Really like that. It's got some really nice stuff in it. Uh, I really like the love of Jesus. I like all those. And so, am I a Christian? Am I a Christian? They've told you the, some of the things they believe. They've told you. You know, these are the things that I don't believe. And so would you tell me, am I a Christian? Now, I'm not making this up. This was an actual, this was an actual situation that played itself out in public in, in a big way. Uh, it played itself out in the New York Times, the, the most influential, uh, largest newspaper actually in the world, New York Times. It began in Christmas, Christmas time in 2000. 16, and it has continued throughout uh, Christmas of 2017. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you the whole story uh, because it's really fascinating, but more fascinating than the story is the, is the pieces and the parts and the words and all these different things. And I think as we, as we go through this tonight and we look into this uh, exchange that took place between uh, four people, four people so far, as we look at this exchange that went on, we're, we're, go, we're going to learn some things and we're going to also get some things to, I hope, to help us, to help us to understand a little bit better where people are at and uh, be better prepared, be better equipped uh, to talk to people about what we believe, about the hope that we have, and maybe be able to help them make their way out of the fog and out of the darkness. So... Um, this whole thing began, and you're going to see some, uh, a lot of slides tonight. You're going to see some pictures. And the first one you're going to see is this gentleman right here. Uh, it all began when this man, Nicholas Kristoff, uh, he is a two-time Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. Uh, for, and he, he works uh, for the New York Times. Uh, I, actually, he's an op-ed uh, columnist. Uh, op-ed means uh, opinion editor, you know. Um, now, this man, is. this is really where this began, okay? He, he considers himself, this is his own words, he considers himself a Christian but not a religious one. Now, tell me, somebody tell me, what do you think that means? I mean, I'm, he doesn't elaborate on that. We'll get, we'll get more into it in a little bit. You know, you, we'll find out a little bit more about him in a minute. What do you think that means that he says, I'm a Christian but I'm not a religious one? What's that mean? Anybody? Larry? Okay. Kind of superficial. Yeah, okay. Anybody else? He, he's, he, he says, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a religious one. Okay. That's probably, probably an option. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Kind of like a generalized, I believe in God, but that really doesn't make any difference in my life. It makes any difference in my behavior and that sort of thing. Uh, religious or, or uh, Christian, but not a religious one. Uh, you know, you hear this sometimes, you know, I, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm, I'm not one of those fanatical Christians. 
Okay, what, what's that mean? I'm not a, you know, like a, you know, can you imagine, you know, uh, uh, let, let's just take, um, who, who won the Super Bowl this year? Oh, yeah, they stink. Philadelphia Eagles, okay. But let's just imagine Philadelphia, Philadelphia Eagles fan said, uh, um, you know, uh, I, 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 I like football, I like the Philadelphia Eagles, but I'm not really a fan of them, you know. Uh, it's, it's, you imagine, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but I'm, I'm not really a fanatic, you know. Uh, we can already begin to see, hmm, probably not real connected here. It's not really a serious, committed following of Jesus. Imagine Matthew, you know, he comes to Matthew and says, Matthew, follow me. Well, you know, I, I'm kind of interested in you, but I'm not really a fan. I'm not gonna, I don't want to follow you, no. I mean, but, but, but what, you know, can you get me to heaven? <laughs> see? So Nicholas Kristof is, he says he's a Christian, but he's not a religious one, okay? Now, it's, this began with Nicholas Kristof, uh, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not wanting to pick this man apart because I think, I, think, I think he's pretty sincere. For him to go public like this, I think he's probably sincere in the questions and the concerns that he had. But here's what he did. Christoph first posed his question, am I a Christian, to fellow New Yorker Timothy Keller at Christmas 2016. And here's a picture of Tim Keller, um, I think. I think we got, there he is. And um, Tim is the former evangelical pastor, say former, he retired last July, pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in uh, New York City. Uh, this, this was the first exchange, which we're going to get into in just a moment. We're going to tear into it, and you'll actually see what was said and all that kind of stuff. But the first, uh, uh, again, he, you know, Nicholas Kristof knows him and their fellow New Yorkers, and, and both are pretty high-profile individuals. And so he first posed the question at Christmas time, 2016 to Tim Keller, am I a Christian? I think you're going to find um, that exchange really fascinating. Then... In the spring of 2017, Christoph posed the same question, am I Christian, to former President Jimmy Carter. And we, we know uh, Jimmy Carter. Um, Jimmy Carter, you know, you used to think of Jimmy Carter, you think of uh, Habitat for Humanity. Does a lot of, you know, he's done a lot of, let's just admit first, he's done a lot of good things. Uh, a lot of, and can't deny the fact he's done a lot of good things. Actually, he still teaches Sunday school. At Maranatha Baptist Church in Plains, Georgia. Uh, Jimmy Carter left uh, back in 2000, year 2000. He left uh, the Southern Baptist and he uh, hitched his wagon to the American Baptist. Now, um, you might say, what's the difference? Southern Baptist, American Baptist, uh, you know, all God's children are little Baptist, you know, d- d- what difference does it make? Well, uh, it does make a difference. Uh, the American Baptists are a liberal, uh, progressive, uh, camp of, well, I'd say believers, but I don't know. <laughs> I might be stretching it there. American Baptists are open. Now, here's what they say on their web. American Baptists are open to diverse interpretations of the Bible. Now, that already, you know, is kind of kind of a little spooky there, you know, like we're, we're open. We're open to diverse interpretations, you know. If it says this, maybe if it says this, we're okay with that too. We're okay with that. And, and they are very, very liberal regarding social issues. And this, this is a fascinating little tidbit here. Just thought I'd throw this in. A uh, few years ago, there was a church here in town. Goodness, I wish I could remember the name of it. They were meeting over at the gym. They were meeting over at the gym. Goodness, I wish I could remember the name of it. Anyway, the pastor there, pastor there, 
left and went to be the pastor at this church in Plains, Georgia. He was from Mount Washington, went to be the pastor there. And um, so anyway, this question was posed from Nicholas Kristof to Jimmy Carter. Am I a Christian? I think you're going to find that exchange pretty interesting. Then, this past Christmas, uh, 2017, Kristof posed the same question, am I a Christian, to Cardinal Joseph Tobin. He is a moderately liberal Roman Catholic. And so, here's what we have. We have Nicholas Kristof who says, I am a Christian, but I'm not a religious one. And here's the things I, I kind of I'm like, I'm kind of comfortable with, but here's some things that I don't believe, so am I a Christian? So we have what? We have an evangelical, uh, a, progressive, uh, a progressive Protestant, um, and a liberal Catholic. Okay? <laughs> so you do know, and you should know, three different worldviews, three different ways of viewing the world and viewing theology. And it's interesting and helpful to see how each of these uh, men responded. And as we look at each response, I want you to consider, I just want you to be thinking about uh, how would you respond in this situation? See, n- none of us here will probably ever have the, the, you know, the, the, the platform that these men have, you know, a higher platform p- position. What they say in public you know, carries some weight. We'll probably never have that, but we, we might want to consider what would I say? If I, you know, if I was having lunch with somebody or if I was having an exchange with a family member and they said, look, you know, I, I don't believe this, I don't believe this, but... Uh, but here's what, I, I like this, and so am I a Christian? So it might be good, it might be good if we had a little bit more than yes or no, okay? As you're going to see in just a moment. You, you, might, you might find it really helpful to have more in the toolbox rather than just, well, no, or, or yeah, yeah, so, you know. So, so just watch these exchanges, and I say watch, you're, you're going to see the text on the on the overhead. Speaking to Tim Keller, Christoph asks this, and you'll see it. Tim, I deeply admire Jesus and his message, but I'm also skeptical of the themes that have been, notice this word, integral to Christianity. Integral meaning, integral means that which is necessary to make a whole complete. You know, this, this, Brings it all together, okay? Or, or this is essential, okay? It's interesting he uses that word. But, I, but I'm skeptical of themes that have been integral to Christianity. The virgin birth, the resurrection, the miracles, and so on. Since this is Christmas, this was Christmas 2016, this is Christmas season, let's start with the virgin birth. Is that an essential, is that integral, or can I mix and match? Now, again, just... I just want you to look and pay attention to, to, to the way these answers unfold because we're, we're looking at the exchange first with, with Christoph and Tim Keller, a Protestant evangelical. Here's what Tim Keller first answers. Notice this. If something is truly integral to a body of thought, you can't remove it without destabilizing the whole thing. A religion can't be whatever we desire it to be. Now, I just, I just want to say here, this is a great answer. It's a great response. First, he, you know, first off, he, he, he doesn't just go, you know, he could have easily said, 
Well, no. No. He could have, you know, could have been real stern. No, you're ridiculous. Nicholas, you're ridiculous. Yeah, he could have done that. But notice he, he, he said he takes the word integral, essential, if, and, and makes a logical point here. If something is truly, you, in other words, you said it, you said it, it, you said it was integral, it's essential. If something is truly integral to a body of thought, you can't remove it without devastating the whole thing. So essentially he's saying, look, you're trying to pull out parts. You're, pull, you're already pulling out parts in such a way that, that the whole thing collapses. And his question, is there an essential belief or can I mix and match? A religion can't be whatever we desire it to be. So notice, Tim does more than answer yes or no. But the conversation continues and Tim goes on to say this. If I'm a member, he gives an example here. If I'm a member of the board of Greenpeace, now most of you are familiar, I'm sure, with Greenpeace. Greenpeace is an environmental organization, a, li- a very liberal, progressive environmental group. And so he says, if I'm a member of the board of Greenpeace and I come out and say climate change is a hoax, they will ask me to resign. And that's the truth. They say, you're out of here. But then he goes on to say, I could call them narrow-minded, but they would rightly say that there have to be some boundaries for dissent or you couldn't have a cohesive, integrated organization. And they'd be right. It's the same with any religious faith. Very clever last sentence. It's the same with any religious faith. In other words, it's not just Christianity. This is the same of any religious faith. You, you start pulling out these inter, integral, essential matters, and, and he uses a, uses a very liberal example Hey, if I belong to Greenpeace, Greenpeace acts like, oh, we're liberal, you know, we're, you know and, and, and you come and say, hey, I don't believe in climate change. You're out of there, you see. Why? Why? Because you've removed an essential, integral part of that organization. And so, so Tim has, uh, has, has said much more than, than, than yes. Uh, he, he could have said, yes, the virgin birth is essential. No, gave some very thoughtful and, and just very, not only thoughtful, but just very ordinary illustrations, examples to help answer this man's question. Now, Christoph asked this question. And the resurrection, must it really be taken literally? Tim Keller responds, Jesus' teaching was not the main point of his mission. He came to save people through his death for sin and his resurrection. So his important ethical teaching only makes sense when you don't separate it from these historic doctrines. If the resurrection is a genuine reality, it explains why Jesus can say that the poor and the meek will inherit the earth. St. Paul said without a real resurrection, Christianity is useless. And so again, resurrection, you know, Christoph is asking, must, must it really be taken literally? Christianity collapses without the resurrection of Christ. You know, you can say, well, I'm really having a hard time with Noah and the ark. You know, that 40 days, 40 night flood thing, you know. And, and, and all you have to do is go, well, do you, do you, believe, that, do you believe the resurrection? And, and they go, well, yeah, I do. Well, <laughs> look... <laughs> If that happened, then, you know, 
But if that didn't happen, don't worry about the flood. <laughs> don't worry about Noah. Don't worry about it. Doesn't matter. See, Christoph goes on with, and, and, and I like this. He says, but let me push back, okay? As you know better than I, Tim, the scriptures themselves indicate that the resurrection wasn't so clear cut. Mary Magdalene didn't initially recognize the risen Jesus, nor did some disciples, and the Gospels are fuzzy about Jesus' literal presence. Now, right there in that, in that paragraph is, is there's something interesting for us. It reveals some of the honest challenges that skeptics have, okay? In other words, we just take him honestly at face value. His view of the Scriptures, he looks and he goes, look, you know, Scriptures themselves indicate that the resurrection wasn't so clear-cut. And, 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 and let's say you're sitting at lunch and somebody, somebody says that. You know, well, look, you, know, you probably would admit that you know, it's not all that clear-cut. And, and, and then you know, what, do we, what do we say? say what, what are we, we going to say to that? Well, we'll find out in a minute. Mary, Mary Magdalene didn't initially recognize Jesus, and nor did some of the disciples. And then he says, and the Gospels are fuzzy, fuzzy. That's interesting. Notice how Tim answers this. I wouldn't characterize the New Testament descriptions of the risen Jesus as fuzzy. They are very concrete in their details. Yes, Mary doesn't recognize Jesus at first, but then she does. Skeptics should consider another surprising aspect of these accounts. Mary Magdalene is named as the first eyewitness of the risen Christ and other women are mentioned as the earliest witnesses in the other Gospels too. Then he continues, and you'll see the next slide. Keller continues, This was a time in which the testimony of women was not admissible evidence in courts because of their low social status. The early pagan critics of Christianity latched onto this and dismissed the resurrection as the word of, quote, hysterical females. If the Gospel writers were inventing these narratives they would never have put women in them, so they didn't invent them. Now, notice here, notice he, he, he answers the initial question, hey, uh, it's not fuzzy. It's not fu- you know, I, I'm, I'm, reading, I'm reading the same New Testament, it's not fuzzy. And in fact, the details are concrete. But then he takes him down a trail that he didn't ask about and says, look, and brings up this really interesting point that if the gospel writers were, you know, making things up, they surely wouldn't put something in there like the women saw him first, you know, because women had such a low status, they couldn't even be a witness in a court case during this time. And so, in other words, it just doesn't make sense that the gospel writers would put this in there unless it was so. So, again, excellent. Now, let, let me wrap up their last exchange. And this, this is where it gets down to where he says, am I a Christian? Okay, you want to pay really close attention to this. Christoph says this, so where does that leave people like me? Am I a Christian, a Jesus follower, a secular Christian? Can I be a Christian while doubting the resurrection? Now, you're sitting at lunch. This may be a family member. This may be a friend. This may be uh, a co-worker. And, you know, we're, we're, we're in a p- politically correct environment and the heat's on, you know. Am I, I? I want you, I want you to tell me, am I a Christian? And so what, well, what do you say? Do, do, do you say, well, 
I, I, I don't know. I, should, I really shouldn't say. Or, you know, or no. You know, say, what? So, but, but <laughs> well, what I mean by that, Ray, is <laughs> probably don't say it that way. You, 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 can't, you can do better than no. Nicholas, no. You can do that if you want to, okay? But you may not be having lunch with too many people, all right? Here's what happened. Here's the answer. I wouldn't draw any conclusion about an individual without talking to him or her at length. Now, at first you may look at that sentence and go, eh, that's slippery, that's kind of wimpy, but go on here. But in general, if you don't accept the resurrection or other foundational beliefs as defined by the Apostles' Creed, I'd say you're on the outside of the boundary. Do, do you know what that means? Does anybody recognize that does mean no, right? That means no, but it sounds so much sweeter than no. <laughs> but it's still no, and you'll find out in a minute, Nicholas, Nicholas understood it as no. He did. No, no vagary. He knew exactly. But the, the point of the first sentence, I wouldn't draw any conclusion about an individual without talking to him or at length. And see, that, that it's important too. It's important. It's important to get to talk to somebody and hopefully peel the layers back. I had a lady call me just the other day, and she said, "You know, I've got a friend who who says they 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 don't think they believe in God anymore, and they begin to tell what this lady had gone through." And I've told this story before. Jay Kessler, president of Taylor University, some years ago, he had a student that that one of the students there, and they, he came up to him and said, "How are you getting along?" And he says, "Well." You know, Professor, you know, Taylor, I, I don't, or President Taylor, I, I, don't, I don't know if I believe in God anymore. And he said, come on, let's have lunch. And they sat down, and he said, I want you to tell me about the God that you don't believe in anymore. I may not believe in him either. And the point was, see, the point was, when somebody is hurting and they've lost this and this disappointment has come, and this, they, they, in their mind, they may have this picture of God did this to me, God withheld this, God did this to me, God's mad at me, God's this, he's this, he's this. He should have come through. And see, you only find out about those things, those layers, if you, if you are willing to listen and talk, you see, and, and try to help. Because it may be the God that they don't believe in is not even the God of the Bible at all, you see. And so that's what, that's what it's meant by, without talking to him or her at length. But in general, if you don't accept the resurrection of the other foundation beliefs, Outside the boundary. Let's, let's hurry. Let's move on to the next conversation with, uh, that uh, Nicholas Kristoff had with Jimmy Carter. It starts like this. Kristoff uh, asks, what about someone like me whose faith is in the Sermon on the Mount? Now, we're going to start studying the Sermon on the Mount next Wednesday night. And this is one of the fascinating things that I've learned in, in getting prepared for this is there are atheists who love the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> Yeah. And Nicholas Kristof, it, it says, see, he said, I have faith in the Sermon on the Mount. Not, not good. Faith in Jesus? Yep. Faith in the Sermon on the Mount? What do we mean by that? He goes on then, he goes on to say, like me who has faith in the Sermon on the Mount, who aspires to follow Jesus' teachings. The Jesus who didn't rise from the dead, by the way. <laughs> right? Is that the Jesus of the Bible? No, Jesus of the Bible rose from the dead. So it's not the same Jesus, okay? Let me go on. But is skeptical that, he, skeptical that he was born of a virgin, walked on water, multiplied loaves and fishes, or had a physical resurrection. Well, again, if he didn't have physical resurrection, it doesn't matter about the fish, okay? Then he says, am I a Christian, President Carter? Now, I don't know how much you know about President Carter. I don't know how much you know about American Baptists. But I used the word slippery a minute ago. That probably 
that probably doesn't really even get close to what we're about to see. Here is President Carter's answer. I do not judge whether someone else is a Christian. Jesus said, judge not. Now, friends, I just want to tell you something. That's no help whatsoever. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to, look, I'm not trying to bash President Carter, even though he and I would have many, many, many differences. He's done a lot of good things. There is no denying that. But this answer does not help at all. Uh, it's a cop-out, as we're going to see here in just a moment. Christoph goes on to say, Do you sometimes struggle with doubts about faith? Carter, yes, but if, eventually, notice this, I, dis, I decide what I believe as an integral part of my existence and a guide for my life. Now, you may look at that and go, what's wrong with that? I decide what I believe. Jimmy Carter, like many others, is himself standing over Scripture rather than Scripture being over him. Just make sure you understand the difference. See, that sounds, that sounds good at first. I, des- I decide what I believe. Well, you, 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 see, Nicholas Kristof has decided what he believes, too. See, he believes, you know, he believes that he likes the Sermon on the Mount, but he doesn't believe that Jesus rose from the dead, and so he's not a Christian. And so we, we need to be careful with that phrase, I decide what I believe. Uh, we, we've got to decide, does the Bible have authority over us or do we stand over the Bible? We decide. We pick and choose. Christoph goes on. One of my problems with evangelicalism, he, he would say that to us, we, is that it normally argues that one can be saved only through a personal relationship with Jesus, which seems to consign Gandhi to hell. Do you believe that? Now, you know, usually, usually it's, it's going to be Mother Teresa Gandhi, it's always, going to be, it's always going to be some of these people. I don't know. But I don't know. See, I want to say to these people, are you really concerned about Gandhi? I mean, really, come on here. Do, do, you, do you lose sleep over Gandhi? Good grief, no. They don't, but they like to drag that out and go, well, I just don't see how Gandhi could be in hell. Well, here's, here's President Carter's answer. Look at it. I do not feel qualified to make a judgment. I'm inclined to give him or others the benefit of the doubt. Now, do you understand what he's saying here? The clear question has been, evangelicalism says, you know, without Christ, you can't be saved. So, Jimmy, Jimbo, what about that? Uh, uh, I'm a Sunday school teacher. I teach hundreds of people who get on buses and stand in line to hear me teach. But I'm really not qualified <laughs> To answer that question, come on, come on. <laughs> Monday night football, come on, man. Come on, man. That's, that is, that is, that is, that is big time slippery. Okay. Um, we're going to get to Cardinal Tobin in a moment, but whew, wow, Jimmy Carter. I remember a few years ago when we were, we were, we were, we were, singing and traveling and that sort of thing. And I remember um, gospel groups, I'm just going to let you in on an inside tip, gospel groups love to, to, uh, love to picture, they love to have a picture of themselves with somebody important. <laughs> and they feel like it ups their ante. <laughs> and so there was this group that I know that, that, that sent me, they, they sent me a picture of them with Jimmy Carter. I couldn't resist. <laughs> I should have resisted. But I said, I said, Look, I don't know. I don't know that I'd be hitching my wagon to, you know, to someone who's so slippery. <laughs> I used other words, but 
They were clean. They were clean. It wasn't anything bad. But, but you know, it was, like, it was like we're willing to put ourselves with this guy because he's a former president. But theologically, he has nothing to do with the gospel. Really. 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 So let's move on to the conversation between Christoph and Cardinal Tobin. Now, you might say that it's going to get really bad now. But you can't get much worse than Jimmy Carter, okay? And, and, and really, the cardinal does a little bit better than Jimmy Carter. If that's, the, lib, the liberal Catholic theologian does a little bit better than Jimmy Carter. Not, not completely, but a little bit. So Christoph begins with Cardinal Tobin by saying this. Let me start with respectful skepticism. In other words, again, I believe this man is sincere. I don't believe he's trying to be funny and clever and all that kind of stuff because he is writing all of this. He's pouring out his beliefs in a, you know, the biggest newspaper in the country or perhaps in the world. Let me start with respectful skepticism. I revere Jesus' teachings, but I have trouble with the miracles, including since this is Christmas, the virgin birth. In Jesus' time, people believed that Athena was born from Zeus's head. <laughs> I'm sorry. So it seemed natural to accept a great man walking on water or multiplying loaves and fishes. In 2017, not so much. In other words, we're much more intelligent. We're much more intellectual. We can never believe something like stupid as this. Can't we take, now get this, can't we take the Sermon on the Mount but leave the supernatural? Now see, there it is again. This love of the Sermon on the Mount, which we're going to you know, start studying next Wednesday. Can't, he, he just he loves Sermon on the Mount. But, but here's what you're going to find. Not all the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> See, those, those, those who are atheists that like the Sermon on the Mount, they like the lovey part. But there's other parts. If you bring those parts up, they go, well, I don't know if those are supposed to be in there. We're not really sure if that's really in the original text. <laughs> just saying, just saying. Can't we take the Sermon on the Mount but leave the supernatural? Uh, Cardinal Tobin's answer is this. And it's a pretty good answer. The most mind-boggling miracle is the incarnation. We believe that the creator of the universe, the one who existed before time and before anything else, became one of us. If you accept that, then there are a lot of other things that don't seem to be quite as unbelievable. Now, see, that's pretty good. You you believe that God, the very God who created everything, took on human flesh, came down. If you can, if you can embrace that, then you know there, this all this you know walking on the water. You know, that's that's child's play. Okay, Tobin goes on to say, it's not a magic show. All of the miracles were not isolated or simply altruistic events. They were actually pointing toward who God is and who this carpenter from Nazareth really was. And that's again a very good response. Uh, in other words, if, if you're thinking that the miracles are just capricious, just kind of thrown around, and Jesus kind of gathers everybody around and says, let me show you this one. You know, if you think it's that, then you got it all wrong. Th- these, are, these are signs and wonders that point to this is the Messiah. This is him. This is really him. Now, here, here we go. Uh, we'll wrap this up. Christoph goes on to ask Tobin this. He said, I asked Reverend Tim Keller and President Jimmy Carter, whether a skeptic like myself. Now, earlier he said he was a Christian but not a religious one. Now he says, I'm a skeptic who admires Jesus' moral teaching but doubts the virgin birth and any physical resurrection counts as a Christian. 
And notice this. Basically, Keller said no. Remember? Remember earlier? See, he understood that Tim was saying, you know, you're out. You're out of the boundary. That means no, you're not. And Carter said yes. Notice how he interpreted Carter. He goes, I'm not really qualified to say. I don't want to really make a judgment about that. So, Christoph, you know, you're sitting at lunch with somebody and you go, I'd really not say. I'd rather not say. You know, they could very well interpret that you just said yes, even though you didn't say it. And so he goes, basically, Keller said no, and Carter said yes. So you're the tiebreaker. You're the tiebreaker. A liberal Catholic theologian is the tiebreaker? Come on. Well, this is where Reverend Tobin goes off the rails. He's responded, I would think that if you haven't completely closed the door on the possibility that God has more to say to you, then I think you're in the tent. Now, let's take it. Just stop for just a minute. Stop for just a minute. You're going to say, well, yeah, I mean, he's saying still open. Look, on the possibility that God has more to say, God has more to say, what more can God say and do than has already been recorded in Scripture that historically happened? What, what more? See, so again, another cop-out a very slippery answer. If you're, open, if you're open to God saying more, you know, if you're open to that, you're in the tent. So last five minutes. Let me just ask you this question. Is there anything in these exchanges that, anything that you learn from these exchanges that you go, boy, that just solidifies this or that, this is clear now. Is there anything that in these exchanges that, that, that you feel like, I learned something here about anything, Gary? <laughs> well, <laughs> I didn't want to go there. <laughs> Don't want to go there. Don't want to go there, but I understand what you're saying. I do. Huh? His tent was leaking? Yes, that's, that's, a, that's a good way of putting it. And anybody else? I mean, yes, uh, Sherry? Yeah, yes, yes. And you're, you, you know, you're probably exactly right. You know, they're, be, they're being asked in a public way you know and their answer they're gonna to have to live with that answer and you're probably right probably like playing it safe here but you know unfortunately being nice being nice here has not helped people who've read that you know anybody else margaret <laughs> yeah well there you go he, he still has that you know politicians savvy you know answer yeah yeah it's, it's disappointing it's terribly disappointing and, and see the thing of it is is we, we might expect, well, he's, he's a Sunday school teacher. He's a Sunday school teacher in a Baptist church. He, we, we'd expect, but see, we don't, we don't, we don't realize that he, he, see, he, he, slipped off, he slipped off the slippery slope into the liberal progressive, see. And, and when you do that, see, it, when you do that, it's because you have begun to pull out the integral parts, see. The, the Bible, we can't be really sure about the Bible here. We can't, and then uh, about this, and we can, and you start pulling all this stuff out. Uh, I was, I was listening to a, a gentleman the other day who, he skipped right over pulling all the stuff out. He just jumped from, I'm an atheist. <laughs> and, and, and the interesting thing was, he said, look, all these progressives that are going like, I don't know if I believe this anymore, if I don't believe this anymore. He said, let me tell you where you're headed. You're going to be atheist before it's over with. And I think he's exactly right. You start pulling out the pieces, you start pulling it out, and one day you're going to wake up and you go, I don't believe any of this anymore. I don't believe in God anymore. So 
Anybody else? It does help. It does help to, you know, to know what we're talking about. But last two things before we go. Uh, what, what, I, what I get from this, myself, just, just kind of helped me. I think, again, we, we do want to be people who listen closely. We, we, we want to listen closely and to better understand where a person is coming from, better understand the challenges that, that they bring to the table, okay? Um, and that may, that may take some patience, right? You know, it takes some patience to, to listen, and, and we're not so quick to cut them off the knees, you know? And by all means, be respectful. You see, that, that's one of the things I noticed with, uh, uh, with, with Tim Keller, though he ultimately had to say you're not in the tent. He was respectful in how he did it and at the same time was clear and truthful, see? And so uh, that, 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 you know, that's, it's helpful for me as I, as I think about the challenges of talking to people who, uh, who are skeptics themselves. And there, there's a lot of them, folks. And, and some of them are, just like Nicholas Christopher, some are very sincere and uh, it may be hard to hear. You know, it's hard to hear. I don't believe this. I don't believe this. Uh, but, um, you know, hey, you got a, you got a, you got a choice. You can be slippery, be politically correct, or you can tell the truth. I thank God will be pleased we tell the truth. I stand. I hope this was helpful. Next Wednesday night, we're going to begin what will probably be a lengthy time. Uh, Sherman, Sherman, <laughs> Sherman on the Mount. I just saw Sherman over there a minute ago. It's not Sherman on the Mount. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, it's, it's Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 lengthy, okay? And we're going to begin that next Wednesday evening. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for these believers. They are my brothers and sisters and friends, and I am so grateful that they would come out on a rainy Wednesday evening. Thankful for their love for you, their faithfulness to you. Lord, they're here because they love you, and they they want to sincerely follow you and uh, we we know that there are people out there around us whether it's in our community or or, our workplace family that some of them are hardcore some of them are skeptics and 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 and, and in the middle of it there's some that are just sincerely lost and confused and so would you help us to be respectful and gentle, patient, because we, we have the best news that there is. Uh, we, we have a wonderful, blessed hope, and, and may we be willing to open up and to share and to be patient with others and to help them to come to know the real Jesus, not a phony Jesus, uh, not part of Jesus, but the full Jesus. And so may your blessings be with us tonight as we go in Jesus' name. Amen.